Hey, everybody. Welcome to the We're Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God and how it brings transformation and hope and healing into every area of our lives. Mary, almost. Merry Christmas. Almost. Here we are in week three of Advent, Father John. How was your Advent? Good, and week four is going to be really short, it's like a couple be a few hours. hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, but um, it's a beautiful time, and these are exceptional days. And I love, I, I've always loved Advent. I just love how everybody, in a particular way, is in a. I know there's a lot of people who are grieving right now intensely because these holidays, um, oftentimes make us mindful of people that we've lost. You, you and Steve have gone through great loss this past year. I know thinking of a couple of folks that we just buried uh, who I was close with and the loss that they have, but it helps me remember why Jesus came. Absolutely. It's not, Christmas is not sappy. No. You know, like God became a man so as to put death to death. So whether we're able to enter into these days, not really having tasted that yet, or whether we're going through intense grief, uh, the Lord's got something in this season for us, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I'm thinking of two words. Grief and grace. Mm. There may be grief, but there is grace. Yeah. And without the gift of faith, they would be difficult days to navigate. But we're celebrating. Um, we're celebrating our rescue. Amen. That's right. And those that we have loved and said farewell to in this life, we will see. We will see again, even though our hearts ache. Because God has become man to do something about, about death. death. Amen. Blessed, Blessed be, be he. he. Amen. <laughs> So what's our topic today? So our topic for today is, he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Oh, that's wonderful news. That's right out of Hebrews chapter two. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just ask for your anointing and your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon Mary and myself right now as we break open your word and in a particular way, reflect upon it in light of family and how it is that you want to bring healing hope, transformation, encouragement to families. Lord, we just ask for uh, these days to be days that are filled with an abundance of your spirit at work within us. Help us to be attentive to his voice, to continue to understand ever more deeply what it is that your son has done for us so that we might know uh, how to truly celebrate and what to give you thanks for. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. you got a couple of exciting rescue project announcements oh, for I us. I love sharing you? good news like this. So the Lord just continues to bless uh, this, this gospel series. And so one of the things that we've put our hands to over the last couple of weeks is making the rescue project available on DVD. Uh, for those who don't have Wi-Fi. So, so those in parishes who maybe uh, don't have some tech support that they mm -hmm. would love to have, or if you're looking to bring... Uh, we've talked to uh, several people from both, both here in the U.S. and outside the U.S. who serve in pr prison ministry. Oh yeah, they can't bring in the. They can't bring in devices yep. in into the into the jails and into prisons, and so we want to do everything we can to get the gospel of Jesus Christ into every parish, every home, every school. In every prison, so thus the DVD. So we're hoping to have those available hopefully early on in 2024. Fantastic. And the next great news, we just want to thank all of you who have contributed to this match that we have 
to make the rescue project available oh, on giving and instead Tuesday. of different languages right on giving tuesday so we're almost there we're 80 percent there and because we are there or, or getting close we're going to move forward with translating the rescue project into french we oui. There you go, Father John. That's about the limit of my French. I can't wait to hear ambush predator in French to see what that sounds like. So for those of you who have not yet given and would like to contribute to this particular effort, we would just encourage you to go to our website, acts29.org, hit the give button, and then somehow make explicit right there in that gifting opportunity that you would like to contribute to the French French translation. Fantastic. So great it's going to be huge, news, right? I mean, our, our desire is really to, to get it into as many languages as possible. We're grateful for hearing from people all around the world asking uh, where we, where they might be in the queue for translations. But French seems to be the next uh, logical language. It's not only the international language for business, uh, but so much of the world uh, speaks French. So our neighbors up to the north speak French here in the United States. At least many of them do. And, um, and so many other uh, cultures as well. So we're looking forward to that. Praise God. Let's dive into the Word of God. Can't wait. Right. So, so this coming Sunday's first reading comes from the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, and then 8 through 12, and then verses 14 and 16. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies on every side, He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God dwells in a tent. Nathan answered the king, Go, do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Should you build me a house to dwell in? It was I who took you from the pasture and from the care of the flock to be commander of my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you went, and I have destroyed all of your enemies before you, and I will make you famous like the great ones of the earth. I will fix a place for my people, Israel. I will plant them so that they may dwell in their place without further disturbance. Neither shall the wicked continue to afflict them as they did of old, since the time I first appointed judges over my people, Israel. I will give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord also reveals to you that he will establish a house for you. And when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. Awesome. So just a quick reminder, we are uh, in the middle of reflecting on the readings for Advent, the first reading for Advent, in light of the theme of healing, in large part inspired by our Dear friend, Father Lee Brokaw, who's down in the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois, who took it upon himself uh, after some prayer with his um, associate pastor there and his pastoral team to just really uh, use these weeks of Advent to highlight this desire of God's to bring healing into into our lives. And we've mentioned a couple of times in the last couple of weeks that if someone has the encounter with Jesus, which is a big if, unfortunately, in uh, many contexts, 
the next heavy door, as you often describe it, which I love, that a person needs to walk through is the door of healing. So we've we've talked about God's desire to bring healing in general. The Lord loves to heal. Uh, how he wants to bring healing to our lives personally. Um, last week we reflected upon healing in marriages, and this week we want to talk about healing in families. And once again, I would suggest this reading from Samuel is a providential reminder uh, and an opportunity to talk about this theme because uh, we hear David saying to the Lord, I want to build a house for you, Lord. And he means a temple. There's no temple yet. And the Lord says, um, no, I'm going to build a house for you. And he doesn't mean I'm going to build a building for you. He means I'm going to build a family for you. In fact, I'm going to trace my lineage from you. And so this is a, a great chance, I think, maybe for us to tackle three things as we talk about healing and families. Um, Jesus's own family, the wound that most of us have, which usually goes back to family of origin in one way or another, and then maybe something practical, very concrete that we can offer people, share with people. Uh, some, it's, it's almost like a, uh, I don't want to call it a method, but a way in which the Lord has taught us to pray. Huh? So let's talk about Jesus's family first. So let's start with David, and then let's talk about Jesus's lineage, and then let's talk about Jesus's own family, his immediate family. So, so the Lord is known as the son of David. David is at one and the same time all that, and not all that, right? I mean, he's quite a messy. Yeah, David is history. a man after God's own heart, yep. and he is, you know, Jesus is going to be known as the son of David. And yet, David's got some issues, uh, not only personally, but then in his family, family. right? So, David, of course, um, goes on to um, commit adultery with Bathsheba. He then goes on to murder Bathsheba's husband, who's not some unknown guy, Uriah, her husband is known as one of David's mighty men. This is one of David's bodyguards. Like David owes his life to Uriah. And, th and then it gets worse. I mean, within David's own family, something like a civil war begins to emerge. Um, one of his sons rapes one of his sisters, which leads to one of his other sons leading a revolt against David because David, even though he knew this, did nothing. So David's family um, is itself got some problems. And, and one of the immediate reasons I, I'm sharing that is I can't tell you how many times as a priest, when I'll sit down with someone and they're talking about family issues, they'll, they'll preface the conversation by something like, Father, I'm just so ashamed of my family. I don't even talk about my family. And one of the great news about the word of God is exactly the title of this episode, like, Jesus is not ashamed of us, which is really remarkable because we ain't all that either, right? So well, the, <laughs> This is why he came. Yeah, exactly. He came to gather into the family of God all, all of, of the nations, right? Right. So we have David on one hand. Then we also have Jesus's lineage. So we're a week away from Christmas, and I always laugh because, you know, the, um, the Christmas Eve Mass— the first one is oftentimes known as the quote-unquote children's mass. So it's packed with kids. There's a lot of noise, which I love. It's sheer chaos. And the first reading, or the gospel rather, um, 
for the quote-unquote children's mass always comes from Matthew, and it's Jesus's genealogy, and it just looks like this giant yawner, you know, with like all how, those wiggly little people in the pews. Yeah, we got all these little <laughs> kids, and it's like you know, so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so. It's kind of a deacon or a priest nightmare for pronunciation, you know. But this is one of the ultimate Bible studies to do because Jesus's family is whacked. I mean, he's got some. Some serious, um, uh, I, th- I believe the vernacular would be, there's some serious nut jobs in Jesus's <laughs> family. And he's, again, he's not ashamed of that. And so if you want to feel good news, um, do a little Bible study on who are these people who are in Jesus's bloodline. So the Lord doesn't hesitate to rush into situations which are more than a little bit messed up. I think what that does too, Father John, it helps us in a very particular way situate our families and our family's story. Oftentimes, I think we we feel like we have to be like like we want to be apart from and not own those stories or our generations, our our histories. But it makes us come to this beautiful reality, this freeing reality that that we're a part of. Yeah. And if we were apart from, then we would have no need. But we're a part of. Yeah, and, we're and all as, broken. As you're saying that, I almost see the Lord just extending his hand to each and every one of us right now saying, yeah, 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 I, I know your family's a little, a little disordered. Sit down and let me tell you about mine. Which leads to this last point about Jesus's family, the quote-unquote holy family. So we're about to celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family soon. And I think most of us think of the Holy Family as, you know, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and a donkey. But there's more people than this in the family, right? We we don't know. Scriptures talk about Jesus's quote-unquote brothers and sisters on a number of occasions. We don't know who these people are. I mean, there's no definitive church teaching on them. We just know they're not Mary's children because of her perpetual virginity, which is an ancient, like, first-century um, church holding. They could be Joseph's children from an earlier marriage and his wife has died. They could be cousins. We don't know. All we know is they don't all seem to get along. You know, there's a scene in Mark chapter three where Jesus is beginning his public ministry and his family, Mark says, thinks he's out of his mind. And don't you think in his humanity that saddened his heart. Oh, I don't think it. I know it. Just a wee little bit, right? A- absolutely. So so the Lord knows rejection in his right. own family, misunderstanding, confusion. Um, and then his brothers in John chapter 7, they, they more or less just taunt him. You know, like, are you going to go up to Jerusalem for the feast? You can make yourself known? And I picture, you know, like when that scene's happening, I picture Mary turning and looking at Jesus like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with these people? And the Lord just goes, Mom, it's okay. All of a sudden you start going to get it. You see the Holy Family in a totally different light. Yeah. So again, it's yeah. th- these are just comforting realities. Like the Lord understands brokenness, disorder, dysfunction. He has experienced all things save sin. And the thing which has impacted most of us deeply is our families. So that brings up this second idea that I think we just want to talk a little bit about, which is our own families of origin and how profoundly our families mark us, right? For good and for bad. That's right. That's right. You know, I, um, so most of us, not all of us, but oftentimes we could, 
we can go back to our childhood and identify things that happened in that time mm. that you remember that leave some manner of trauma, some manner of hurt. And we live with that. And at some point in our lives, we have to start working through that. And I remember having a conversation uh, many years ago now with my mother-in-law, Steve's mom. She's just a beautiful, beautiful woman. And just starting to share some of those things, just from my own family's lineage, the genealogy of my own family. And she said something so wise, which is so true. She said, you know, Mary, that that cycle can stop with you. Hmm. It was like this light bulb goes on. Like, I don't have to make those same choices. I don't have to raise my family with those same wounds, yeah. those traumas. Like, I can make different choices. And, and, that, and I think that's, that's the genesis of generational healing. Hmm. And um, I'm reminded that you're going to... Um, you're familiar with this Christian music artist. Her name is Sarah Groves. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. And she wrote a song a set of years ago, which really touched my heart. It was called Gener- It's called Generations. And one of the lines uh, that really spoke to me, which speaks to this, she says, one of the lines says, may my great, great, great granddaughter live in peace. May my great, great, great grandson live in peace. What's she mean by that? And what she means is like, like, remind me, she says, Lord, that every decision, a generation will reap what I sow. And she goes on to say that, and here's the line for all of us, for me, like, I have a choice. I can pass on a curse or a blessing to those that I'll never meet, that I'll never know. You know, last week we talked about um, at the end of our lives, when we stand before Jesus, you know, our husbands or our wives can say, because of you, Mary, Steve knows who I am. Yeah. We can all, that's extended to our whole family line. Because of you, Mary, your family, your generations will not have to, won't be marred. Yeah. By the same things that maybe that touched you, caused you trauma, caused you hurt, yeah. caused you the struggles that you have. Every decision we make has a lasting impact. And this is what it, I mean, this is what it means to, we can start now to begin to pray around uh, maybe what some of our own family wounds are so that generations will not reap yeah. a curse. I'm, I'm thinking even as you share your own story of how many uh, how many men I know who are maybe my age, maybe a couple years older too, who, you know, so my dad was a World War II vet and I got a lot of friends who, uh, whose fathers fought in World War II and they saw horrors that were just beyond description, you know, and they were deeply traumatized by what they saw. Guys who liberated camps, guys who took other people's lives because they were in war. And as a result of what they went through in the war, they came back just cold you know, hardened, mm-hmm. uh, almost as if the um, the um, the compassion, the kindness filter had been shut off, and so they just lived themselves so deeply traumatized by what they had seen and what they had heard by being in the war that they then traumatized their sons. You know, their sons or their daughters didn't receive 
they, they didn't know their fathers as being kind and gracious. They knew them as being stern. I'm thinking of a couple of guys in particular. And yet they've recognized exactly what you just shared, which is, okay, my dad, my dad was handicapped. Like it wasn't his fault that he like walked into Dachau and saw what he saw. And I can't fathom what that was like, but he did hurt me. And so I don't hold that against him, but I also realize I don't have to, just like you shared from your own experience with your mother-in-law and Sarah in this song, I don't have to do the same thing with my kids. That's right. Like I can reflect upon what's happened in my life and I can say, Lord, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to make a concrete, conscious, intentional decision to dial up my empathy, to dial up my kindness, to make sure that the wound that I received doesn't get passed on. What's the what's the line you use all the time about what doesn't get transformed? Gets transmitted. Yeah. So if it right. gets transformed, then I can bring healing. The, the wound that I have will never go on to my right. my offspring. If it doesn't, it's going to get passed on. Right. You know, I'm thinking about the just the word inheritance. You know, when someone passes away, you inherit a set of things. Oh, yeah. Right. We don't have to have, we don't want, we love our family so much, we don't want them to inherit, inherit like patterns of thought yeah. or patterns of behavior. We, we, want, we want them to understand like, like there is freedom and healing now. And, um, and, and when you and I, we, we talk about, you know, that big door yeah. that is difficult, that next one to, to open after we've had the encounter with the Lord, I think this is just something that's been on my mind the last couple of weeks. Because of that encounter with Jesus Christ, he's already opened the door just a bit. Yeah, that's right. He's cracked the door. Yeah. All we need to do is extend our hand and just push it yeah. just a bit. And the reason I say that, Father John, is because we all need to know that he desires our healing. He provides the grace, right. but it requires our effort. Yeah, cooperation. Right. Do we want to move into that yeah. door that he's already cracked? Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. He loves us so much. He's already yeah. opened it. And for I think us. the healing that he brings to us personally and then the healing that we, we can happen within marriages leads into healing in families sometimes. I'm thinking of Amen. the story I shared last week about my mom and dad, my mom's own wound, which came from her father's infidelity and uh, and whatnot, and how my dad knew that and was used by the Lord to heal that. And then that in turn healed the wound in her family so that she was able to reconcile with her dad and to care for him at the end of his life. And then the story that was passed on to me is no matter what the obstacles that you were born into, you don't have to be forever hamstrung by that. So my mom and dad, just to the, the point of what you were saying, my mom, my mom gave me the witness of somebody who had been broken, who God had healed and then used to heal her family. And that was because of the grace and the cooperation with the grace that you just described so beautifully. And the that. story and the testimony that you have shared with so many brings hope and healing to all of us. Yeah. Yeah, These are right. the great stories. Yeah. So let's that share with people right. real quickly, just, you know, we're, we're about to publish uh, something called Come to Me. So this is going to come out sometime in the next couple of months, perhaps, maybe even sooner. But it's a series of conversations that the Lord has taught us to have with regards to this topic of healing. And one of the things that, you know, 
one of the things we're trying to teach people is there's lots of ways to pray. You can just waste time with the Lord, just be in his presence, thank him, repent, read scripture, intercession, do all sorts of things. But sometimes there's great value to bringing very precise questions to the Lord in prayer. We talked a little bit about this last week with regards to marriage, you know, asking the Lord, Lord, what's the biggest wound in either in our marriage or in in my wife or in my husband, and then asking for the Lord to help us to be a means to heal that. But we can do this with families. And, you know, Albert, Albert and Becky and their um, Albert on our team and his wife Becky, they've applied this to their to their marriage and to their family. And he's, you know, he's fond of sharing this pretty much everywhere we go with everyone we talk to because these ways of praying are are not just for parishes or chanceries or bishops or priests. They're for um, for families and then everyone else. And, he, you know, there's there's three concrete questions that if you still got kids at home might be worth taking to the Lord as we close 2023 and begin to move into 2024 and start thinking about New Year's resolutions. And the questions are this precise uh, and this simple. You know, as a husband and a wife, if you're able to go before the Lord as a mom and dad and ask the Lord, Lord, what's the biggest wound in our family right now? And then to listen and then to come out and to talk, like, what is the Lord saying to you? So we're not brainstorming. We're not doing, you know, hey, what's in your mind? We're really trying to listen to the Lord as he speaks to us in prayer and as he speaks to us in one another as we share the fruit of the prayer, right? And then and then try to come to some clarity on that, like, ooh, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Lord's speaking there. That is the wound in the family. And then you bring back a second question. You ask the Lord, Lord, what's the enemy's strategy? Because the enemy gets a vote. Hell gets a vote. What is hell's game right now for our family? Maybe it's chaos. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's um, distraction. Who knows what it is? But just to spend some time again in prayer listening, what is the enemy's strategy? It's almost like you're asking, Lord, show us what's on the screens and quote-unquote mission control and hell for the Guilfoyles or the Ricardos or the you know, the Smiths or the, the, the whoever. And then you listen, then you try to identify, Ooh, that's it. That's the strategy. And then you go with the last question. And now the question is, Lord, based on what you've revealed is the wound, the biggest wound and what you've revealed as the enemy's strategy, where are you asking us to attack? Like, where should we focus our attention this year or maybe these next three months, these first three months in 2024 as a family so as to grow and to allow your grace and Holy Spirit to bring healing to us. Hmm? You know, Father John, just as I'm listening to you break this open, I'm thinking about the witness of praying like that with your with your family. Hmm. You're equipping them as you as you actually do this. I mean, you're both praying and you're teaching a way to pray for generations to come. Yeah. That as kids grow. And as they enter into their own vocations, they'll have they'll have a way to pray that will be fruitful for their lives as well. Yeah, and and if I can, even as you're saying that, didn't even think about it, but as you're mentioning that, I'm thinking of my own mom and dad, how they taught us to pray mm-hmm. as a family. So some people might be hearing those things going like, oh, that's PhD level stuff. I don't know that we can do that. Let me give you uh, kindergarten stuff, which is what my mom and dad taught us. 
which was this simple, because some people maybe need some simpler things to begin with. We had five, there were five children in, in our family and then my mom and dad, obviously. And they made a decision sometime back in the 70s. We're going to set aside one day a week to pray for just one of us. So everybody knew, like on Monday, we all pray for Mary Kay. On Tuesday, we all pray for Terry. On Wednesday, we all pray for Lynn. Thursday, we all prayed for my brother, Peter. Friday, everybody prayed for me because I got Friday because I was the youngest. I was the hellion. Mom and dad got <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. And that was just a simple thing. Like we're all, we're, all of us are going to pray this day for you. And it was just like, oh, yeah, that it's kind of a no-brainer. We should just be lifting each other up, right? And I would imagine Lynn did that with her children. And I would imagine Mary Kay did that with her children. And Peter did it for his children. And now the grandchildren do it for each other. Again, that's just so beautiful. So so, so you're modeling prayer. Yeah. And I would imagine that as everyone received prayer on a specific day, they could, the one receiving the prayer could testify Oh yeah. To the grace of being carried in prayer. Oh yeah. And that everything begin everything we do in the Christian life begins and ends with prayer and that's where healing starts, Amen. right? Amen. So this is great news. The Lord wants to bring transformation, healing, renewal. He gets brokenness from inside. And he wants to do something about it. And he has done something about it. So we should ask him for big gifts this Christmas season that's about to begin. And because all of this is true, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. Mm-hmm.